0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air, online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Caspar. As someone who loves film, who loves to be able to access great films and have the opportunity to get to know a little bit more about great filmmakers, Ovid.TV may be a platform you want to check out. It is an innovative subscription video-on-demand service that was launched a few years ago, maybe two or three years ago. We'll ask our guest exactly when that happened. And on the site, Ovid.TV, you have access to films from a variety of different distribution companies including bullfrog films first run features grasshopper film icarus films kim stem the british film institute and women make movies among many many others and it's a very reasonably priced subscription platform it's 6.99 per month and it's 69.99 for the whole year and it has, has some of the best independent films you'll be able to access anywhere in the world, as well as one of the great collections of documentary films on it as well. Again, it's called Ovid.TV, and we're joined today by the director of Ovid.TV, and that would be Jonathan Miller. Jonathan Miller, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: How long has Ovid been around now?
1: Well, we started in March of
0: 2019.
1: Okay. So it's been a bit over two years.
0: Two years. And for about half of that time, we've been living in a world of pandemia. (laughs) Right. And so in some ways that would encourage people, and I hope it has encouraged people, to seek entertainment from the comfort of their own home. Hopefully that's been a, in some perverse way sort of helpful to Ovid in, in getting getting more and more uh, people in, uh, involved. What is What if this, if we were, you know, your elevator pitch to people who are listening to us about Ovid, what would you, what would you say?
1: I would say that it's the site for alternative types and content and approaches to film. It's internationally oriented. It has the deepest documentary collection of any service that's out there. We're constantly adding more films to the collection. We don't take films down very much. So we like to think that the, uh, you get more bang for your buck week by week as we're adding more and more films. We're now up to about Twelve uh, hundred and we're adding about 25 to 35 more films every month. Most of our films you won't find on any other service. We have deep relationships with about 30 content suppliers at this point, as well as sourcing films from directly from independent producers all over the world. So I think it's a place to discover fresh voices and ideas and approaches to film.
0: Okay. Some of your um, distributors that you work with are some of my favorite. Icarus Films, Kim Stem, uh, Bullfrog, Grasshopper Film, First Run Features, British Film Institute, which I hadn't seen before on this, and Women Make Movies. It's just some of the collections, some of the the other distributors who are part of it. You mentioned that there are a lot more, but those are some of my favorite.
1: Well, they're all known for the independent and art cinema slash documentary voices that they represent. And they're also a number of them are very deep in certain subject areas like the environment.
0: What prompted me to ask you to come on the program was the release of coming month in September of 23 new films. I do want to talk about that. I know it's difficult to sort of pull out one or two or whatever many you want, but it's a really wonderful array of of films and uh, you mentioned that you're bringing on more and more people more and more um, filmmakers and and uh, distributors and such onto the site um what is it about the September release of films is there a certain thematically speaking how would you characterize this?
1: No, I don't think there's one thematic uh, thing for the month, but there is one substantial drop is on September 10th when we release the entire filmography of a Chilean filmmaker named Ignacio Aguero. And uh, that's 11 films that he's made over the last 34 years or something like that, Mm -hmm. since the mid-80s. Yeah and he's pretty much one of the two most significant documentary filmmakers from Chile, amongst the most widely respected in all of Latin America. He's not very well known here, although Icarus has distributed some of his films. Probably his most widely known film is still one of his his second or third film called A Hundred Children Waiting for a Train which is a very lovely documentary about a workshop that was uh, run for children in a poor neighborhood of Santiago to introduce them to uh, cinema and filmmaking by starting at the beginning of of cinema. So they begin by making little, uh, now I'm gonna forget the name of the devices, but like the things that spun around. Right,
0: right. I know what you're saying. Like
1: Um, the camera. uh, uh, obscura or magic and, and and they would create and then make little stories out of paper instead of films you know like they would make a paper version of a film strip and draw pictures on it as if it was a movie and and then at the end of the film after they've learned the sort of basics of visual creation, uh, they go to a movie in downtown Santiago and they see a movie in a theater for the first time in their lives. Wow. This was filmed under, during the dictatorship of uh, Pinochet. So there's nothing really political in the film at all, but it did function as sort of a metaphor for, you know, liberty and freedom and imagination and,
0: and a com- power,
1: empowerment of poor children and right, all of right. that. So it was sort of implicitly an alternative vision of uh, life. For that reason, uh, it won prizes all over the world, but it was banned in Chile for 30 years. And that's the film that really put Ignacio on the map. But he stayed in Chile all throughout the dictatorship and, and kept working. And so all of his films that followed from that up through the current day are, we're lucky to be able to present them all uh, on September 10th.
0: That is, that is a fantastic story. Yeah, and I can't wait to see this. Yeah, it's a 100, very lovely film. One hundred children waiting for a train, Ignacio. Right. Aguero.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, that sounds. That sounds great. Uh, and there's so there's a lot more. I mean, I again, I think we would be here far too long to describe a whole lot more about that. But none uh, about the list of films. But inter, international would be the the. The theme, I, as I look through this list, it's an international collection. And one of the great things that I have experienced over the last few years doing the show, and certainly throughout my life, I've been interested in international film and filmmakers, but it's only really been within the last decade or so that I've really explored outside of the shores to the extent that I have. And certainly the show has had a lot to do with that. And my appreciation and respect for filmmakers all over the world has grown exponentially. And when you can go to a site like Ovid.tv and you can begin your own journey into this really, truly magnificent part of film is a gift. And that's something I think over the course of our conversation, I certainly hope that we can convey that. And sure sure that uh, for people who, you know, American filmmakers are fantastic, no disrespect at all, but there's a whole nother world out there. And I encourage you, through a site like avidv.tv to go and check it out.
1: yeah well it's a big world and you know film and video uh, are everywhere yeah <laughs> so yeah I mean it used to be that it was hard to find films from a lot of countries you know there weren't as many made they were more difficult. they were hard to get into English. they weren't you know the, the, the flow of audiovisual content around the world is much more limited than it is now although it's still quite limited if you look at the biggest, you know, channels, but uh it's much more possible to uh explore and experience how things are all almost anywhere.
0: Tell me a little bit about when did you fall in love with film? Because here you are as, as uh, the director well, uh, of a uh, of a streaming service. Exposed
1: Started uh, making and showing films when I was in high school. So I worked in I worked in a camera store because it was sort of the closest I could get to cinema. You know, when I was in tenth grade, eleventh grade, and I studied films. I, you know, I bought a Super 8 camera. I I went and got films that I showed in high school. I would like to try and organize film screenings to propagandize to my fellow students. You know. This was during um, the Vietnam war in the seventies. So, you know, I was trying to show anti-war films in high school. And uh, then I went to film school. I went to NYU to study filmmaking and I organized film festival in college. And I got a job in a film distribution company while I was still in college and I've been doing it. I mean, I've basically been doing the same job ever since. I haven't looked for a job in 40 plus years, and I don't know what else. I don't know how to do anything else, really.
0: Yeah. So. I'm curious, uh, during that 70s, year, did you show Hearts and Minds, the documentary film?
1: No, I didn't show that. That was a bit out of my reach. I'm not quite sure what year that came out.
0: Yeah, I don't know exactly I'm either. I'm not sure
1: that was out but when I was in high school. That may okay. have come out a bit after that. I do know Peter Davis
0: Okay, the reason I bring it
1: up In fact, we have a series on Ovid Which Peter Davis, who made Hearts and Minds Produced, called Middletown Which is an amazing series from 1982 Hearts and Minds was 74 I graduated high school before that
0: Okay Middletown
1: is a series he made in 1982 Which is about life in Muncie, Indiana And it's six separate films by six different directors, the most famous of which is 17, which uh, won a top prize, the top prize in Sundance, like in the first years of Sundance. And PBS didn't want to show it because it it was a whole, some controversy over the film. But it's quite an interesting sort of sociological portrait of middle America in the 80s. Same filmmaker.
0: You know, that sounds, for a lot of reasons, that sounds fantastic. And I think, the 1980s, I think, is a line in the, in American history where you began to see a real hollowing out of the American manufacturing sector. You begin to see some real serious kind of changes in voting patterns and attitudes and what direction the country seemed to be heading in. The 80s were sort of a seismic shift. We had Ronald Reagan. We had a lot of things happen that right. we, we're still feeling the ramifications from from that era. Sure in a big way. Sure. so that sounds fascinating
1: yeah yeah it's very interesting
0: do, do you remember a documentary film because uh, i didn't see any document i mentioned hearts and minds is one of those films that really changed my life in terms of my appreciation of film really in a big way that was i would have to point it to that particular documentary is something that really hit me hard yeah was there a documentary film when you were growing up when you had that kind of an impact on you, do you, anything that comes to mind?
1: No, I don't I mean not I don't think well the documentary I remember the most from when I was in high school, if that's what you're asking, was Night and Fog, which is Alan Renee's film about the you know Holocaust and death camps. The documentary which I discovered later, but which I think is sort of like my touchstone as far as documentary film going filmmaking is concerned is called Chronicle of a Summer by Jean-Rouche. And it's not actually one that we have. But although we have a lot of Jean-Rouche films, we don't have that one. But uh, I think that's a film which raises and sort of initiates all the discussion about the documentary form, which the whole field area has addressed every year for the 50 years since that film was made. It was one of the first films made with lightweight cameras that could be handheld and cinema veritate in fact the terminology originates within the film it's part of the film is about questioning the ability to have film truth and and it's a very innovative film which is still relevant today in terms of all the sort of ethical and formal questions it raises about filmmaking
0: The title again?
1: Chronicle of a Summer.
0: Okay. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to try and find that.
1: Yeah, that's on Cr- Criterion Channel. Oh. <laughs>
0: it's
1: uh, our competitor, but the, yes, they have that film.
0: Now, what's ahead for Ovid? What are we looking forward in terms of? Uh, we're going to continue, I think you said earlier, we're, you're going to continue to add films and film. And
1: yes, we're adding, we're constantly adding films and trying to build the collection and make it richer and both wider and deeper in terms of the. Areas it covers. Um, the next area I'm, I'm trying to work on is getting um, some. Uh, we have a fair number of documentary series, like I mentioned, One Middletown. And I'm hopeful that in October we're going to be able to start rolling out some uh, fiction episodic dramatic series, which is my current project in terms of acquisitions and trying to license rights to films that we can show. So I'm hopeful that in October, we'll be able to start having regular release of a drama series. So that's one area. Is that your question?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just curious because I've noticed lately a lot of European episodic documentary series have been rolling past my my window. And uh, it seems to be a real big part of the entertainment entertainment landscape moving forward.
1: Yeah, well it's been um, growing this is sort of a function of the terms of the documentaries showing up in in the US it's, it's series documentary. In fact, all international episodic programming it's a function of the growth of Netflix and Amazon and sort of the internationalization of streaming you know and these big giant companies working all over the world. And so they're acquiring content for all sorts of different countries and they find it efficient to acquire in a lot of, not not all the content, but a lot of the content they're acquiring worldwide rights to. That's how we're seeing in America programming from Europe or at least we have access to programming. I don't know how many people are watching them, but. We have access to a lot more international programming on those levels than we used to.
0: Well, I, I'm I'm excited for the landscape as you described it, a place like Ovid TV, Ovid.tv uh is is an, a a window into a wonderful world of cinema and to people, and always I think this matters, put together by people who really care about it care about film filmmakers presentation all of those things matter i think that of it is a is a fantastic opportunity for people and it is inexpensive 6.99 that's that's a that's a cheeseburger and a a coke somewhere you know yeah (laughs) and that's that's ridiculously inexpensive for what you get so if you're listening to uh jonathan and i Go to Ovid.tv and begin your own journey and uh, sign up and be a part of it. And I go back to the time when I was a projectionist at a repertory house. All right, we were showing five double bills a week. That's where my education came from. Yeah. You're talking about what you were doing? I. That's what I did. That's what I did for two years, where right. uh, where, where we had five double bills every day. Right. Well, not every day, but I mean, of course, over the course of a week.
1: Right.
0: And. Uh, you know i was literally out of some italian movie the projectionist watching these things for the very first time by right. bergman's by renoir all the different uh all of them all the masters right. That's you great. know yeah. and uh and so for me and when i see what you have available it feels like old times <laughs>
1: Right. well they don't have t- people growing up today they don't have repertory cinemas. so you know
0: yeah yeah well, I, it was such a great experience, and it truly, it really, it in many ways, changed my life. And uh, I want to thank you, Jonathan Miller, for your work as director of Ovid.TV, as well as your continuing involvement in promoting artists and their and their work. And uh, I'll come back whenever you... Thank you. Feel thank you. The need. I appreciate
1: the support. Yes. No. Very kind of you. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. We've been talking with Jonathan Miller the director of avid.tv and check it out again avid.tv check out that and for for not only for this coming month but for many many months to come it looks like uh we hope for sure okay all right (laughs) okay thank you jonathan thank you so much sure